Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, everybody. This is Brad Gillis from Night Ranger, and you're listening to Talking Metal right here with Mark. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast home of all things hard rock and heavy metal. I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. Now, let's get things started with the Talking Metal theme song, written by Rob Halford, Metal Mike, and Roy Z. Hey, it's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcasts. I'm so glad you can join us on this episode. It's a good episode. We have a, some really great guests, a really great co-host, and uh, let's let's listen talk. to you yeah. already kissing butt. <laughs> <laughs> Emily is here. She's co-hosting. Welcome back, Emily. Hello. Good to be here. And two great guests, Brad Gillis, a guy I've been a fan of for decades, literally uh, many decades, not just one, not just two, probably more like three, uh, three and a half. But uh, yeah, so what an honor. 
after 600 and whatever this is, 59, 660 episodes, to finally talk with Brad Gillis, because I've tried to get him on the show before. And John Freeman, a New Jersey guy, I believe, a PR guy, has hooked us up here today with a 20-minute interview with Brad Gillis. So, Brad, so much history, of course. Night Ranger, Ozzy, he played on the Hearing Aid Project, did lots of other stuff, too. We're going to talk to him about a lot of this stuff and also the brand new Night Ranger, which will be out this Friday, guys. And it's good. We're going to play a little music from it. And I was saying to you earlier how timely this is yeah. because this is the today was the 35th anniversary of um, of Randy Rhodes dying. Right. And yep. and we all know that Gillis took over. First, it was Bernie Torme for like a week, but then it was it was uh, Brad Gillis. Yeah, absolutely, and. We talk about Ozzy. He brought Ozzy up in the interview, which uh, it, it was awesome. And I wish, I mean, I could have spoken with him about the Ozzy stuff for two hours. But, um, you know, we definitely wanted to talk about the new Night Ranger, which is, is great stuff. And the history of Night Ranger, because they are just a massive band, especially back in the 80s. They were so, so big. You so know. wait, were, were they on Monsters of Rock? Was Brad just on? Monsters of Rock? Uh, Cruise. Oh, possibly, yeah. I think they were, because that's what Don Jameson was telling us yeah. last night, right? Yeah, yeah, very possible, very possible. I'm pretty sure they probably were. I don't have that in front of me. But yeah, so the other guest on today's episode is Eric Baker. He is the producer of the M3 Festival, which Emily and I will be heading down to see. A lot of great bands. Um Faster Pussycat, Loverboy, Rat. Rat. Yeah. And this is the first reunion like gig that they're going to have. Well, right? it's not the first. They've done they've done some reunions. Uh, when you say reunion, of course we're talking with Juan and right. Warren and Steven, uh, Carlos Cavazo of Quiet Riot fame on on guitar filling the uh, Robin Crosby part of the band. And they, they have played some shows, so the M3 Festival won't be the first, but it's definitely one of the first. And so I'm totally psyched to see that. And also excited to see another band that I've never seen. Any guesses, Emily? Loudness. Loudness. I've never seen Loudness. I can't believe yeah. you've never seen Loudness. Yeah. One of my... One of my favorite bands this so is good. one of the this is we have like a night in where we'll just pull out all the vinyl i feel like loudness comes out quite a lot that yeah <laughs> record so well, i'm surprised you've never the, seen cra- the crazy nights record and also the lightning strikes record i big fan of those two records definitely cool so before we get into these interviews we're gonna we're gonna hit the eric baker one first it's a short interview um we talk about m3 i want to talk about what you're up to you got something really cool happening and kind of fits in, you know, we got Brad Gillis of, he worked with Ozzy uh, on the Speak of the Devil record and basically took over for Randy Rhodes to finish the Diary of the Madman tour. And he also worked with Dio. So there's a little, you know, on the, on the Hearing Aid um, benefit record song. So Ozzy, Dio, you're doing a, a tribute. You're involved with a tribute, right? Can you tell us about it? Yeah, so I'm really pumped to be um, participating in this 
tribute, a Black Sabbath tribute that's happening right. in New York City at Arlene's Grocery on the 25th, so next, or this coming Saturday. Um, Focusing on the Ozzy and Dio. And the Dio. So there's two sets, which I love. I love. Because some people were like, oh, you're doing Black Sabbath. What are you doing? Are you doing Black Sabbath? Like, what song are you doing? Um, you know, I'm doing Lady Evil. And which is, I love that song. I know it's not one of the most popular songs, but it's, but one it's that, such a good song. It's such a great off song. A, off an and, album where every song is great. Exactly. You know? yeah. And I love singing Dio. Like Mark and I actually did a, a gosh, we did a fundraiser for um, Save the Music right. years ago. With John. With yeah. John Astronomy. Yeah. And I did Mob Rules at yes. that. That was like Knitting Factory, mm-hmm. like 15 years ago or something, 14 years ago. Absolutely. And then I used to sing at this thing at Don Hills in New York City called Bitch Night. I always did Dio because his range fits my range. So this is my first time doing Dio in a long time, but um, I'm pumped about it. So they're doing a set at 11 o'clock that's all Dio Black Sabbath and a set of all Ozzy Black Sabbath. So I love that Dio's getting equal kind of representation. Absolutely. And so this happens this Saturday, guys. That's March twenty fifth. It's the twenty fifth. In New York City. It's uh where? At Arlene's Grocery. At Arlene's Grocery, which if you're from New York City and you know the the rock clubs, it's one of the few rock clubs really left from the from the nineties era yeah. of, of the New York City rock scene and uh yeah it's gonna be great it's gonna be fun i mean the band that they have you know that they've put together is amazing and all the vocalists are just like powerhouses i don't know i haven't this will be the first time i've been on stage at arlene's grocery in like 13 years i was doing the math (laughs) so it's been a while but i'm really excited you're gonna do great definitely and i guess the what the first hour you said is the dio black sabbath era stuff Second hour, Ozzy era, Black Sabbath stuff. And I'm guessing then the third hour is the Tony Martin era. <laughs> exactly. Black Sabbath stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Seriously, no love for Tony no. Martin? No. Okay. All right. Uh, on that note, let's hit some classic Black Sabbath with Ronnie James Dio. This is the Heaven and Hell record. It, the song is Lady Evil, and it features on drums Bill Ward. He quit shortly after the record came out. I believe he played the, the a handful of dates at the beginning of the tour. And then Vinny Apice, uh came in and took over, which ties into who we're going to see Vinny on Friday, the night before. Yeah, this is Cuckoo you, Town. You play the, and, the, and the Sabbath. We had those tickets before I was even asked to do this show. Right. So, and I haven't even told the organizers, like, oh, by the way, I'm going to see Last in Line the night before. Yeah, so we'll be seeing Vinny <laughs> so Apice. Uh, in New at Jersey Mexicali. at a Mexican restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah called Mexicali. Mexicali. Yeah, Mexican. You've been there before, once, though. They have, they have a I lot think. of good once people or twice, come yeah. through, right? Yeah. They, well, well, they. Yeah, yeah. Not. I mean, it's it's not. It's uh, you know, I'd say a few times a year they get some. Where is it? I don't even know. Where it it's is. in Teaneck, New Jersey, which is Bergen County, um, actually not far from where I'm currently working right now. But that that'll be fun. Yeah, I'm so. pumped. Last time we saw Vivian was with, of course, Def Leppard. Right, Vivian. And Campbell. his health has been so kind of on and off, and he's very quiet about it. But I'm always I'm always interested to see how he looks and what, how he's doing. Right. Yeah. He says he's taking it day by day. And, uh, you know, he, I think hats off to him because honestly, to, to take a band, I mean, you got Phil Susan on bass, you got Vivian, uh, Vivian Campbell, you know, Vinnie Apice, 
Uh, I believe the singer is Andrew Freeman. And, you know, these guys, I'm sure they can't go out on the road for free. So I, I have a theory that maybe Vivian Campbell is bankrolling this because yeah. even if they sell out Mexicali, I mean, it, it's like, I mean, I'm sure they can, they can take home some good money, but those no, are, those are is, top musicians. This is a labor of love yeah, for I, I, them. That's what I'm, I don't, we don't know that for sure. No, but, we don't. But, but I'm guessing. That's and, what we, and, yeah. and, and from the handful of times we've, we've interviewed Vivian Campbell, I've been fortunate enough to have him on probably twice within the last three or four years. He's, you know, said that that this this it's is evident. something he's doing because yeah. he loves to do it. It's not it's not something that's pulling in a bunch of money. And and I'm almost positive he said that the last time I interviewed him. So, Vivian, we're so glad you're finally able to bring this to the the Northeast. We will be there that this Friday to support you, and then let's go support Emily Striegel <laughs> at Arlene's Grocery doing this song. This Saturday night in New York City, this is Lady Evil by Black Sabbath.
little Black Sabbath here on Talking Metal. I want to talk more about Black Sabbath, but first, let's get into the interview with Eric Baker, the producer of M3. Buy tickets for M3 on Ticketfly. We're going to have all the links up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Uh, and besides that, we also have links to our Amazon. Our Amazon links are there, so you use our links to go over to Amazon, and we get a little kickback on that, no matter what you're buying, digital downloads, uh, clothes, you know, diapers, whatever you need. Go to TalkingMetal.com first, then link on over to, to Amazon and do all your shopping, and we get a small kickback on that. And it's working. You guys are doing it, uh, and I really, really appreciate that. Cool. So on that note, we're going to hit Loudness, a band that I'm very, very excited to see at M3, along with all the other great bands that are playing this year. Vane is playing. Can't wait to see them. Uh, never seen them either. So, wow. I'm excited to awesome. see um, Tom Kiefer again, because when we last time we were at... Um uh, the Rock, Rock, uh, not Rock Derby, Rock Carnival. The Rock Carnival. I missed him. Someone else right. was playing when he was playing. I think it was Bolt Boys or something, like two different stages. Right. So, and I'm a big Cinderella fan. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Lita Ford doing this special acoustic set. It's going to be a great night. We're going to be there for Friday and Saturday for sure. Who knows, maybe Sunday too, but Sunday's a little Sunday's different vibe. Like, which, is it Leonard Skinner playing? Yeah, and, uh, and Eric is going to tell us all about that. So without further ado, let's get into this short interview with Eric Baker, a great guy. He is the brains behind the M3 Festival, the producer. Here we go, a little loudness followed by my interview with Eric Baker. This is Ashes in the Sky by Loudness. Look, I 
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and calling in on the line, we have Eric Baker, the producer of the great M3 Festival, now I believe in its ninth year. Eric, how are you? Good. How are you doing today? Good, good. I bought my tickets. I'm, I'm ready for M3 on April 28th, and I wanted to talk to you about just the history of the festival, but but first off, just the great lineup that's going on this year. Uh Let's let's start with the big one. At least for me, it's the big one. Rat. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because there was all this stuff in the press going back and forth about the name and you know Bobby's rat. You know, and then suddenly I I felt like like we heard that that Stephen Warren and Juan got the name, and then it was just like if I felt like a few days later, the M three festival performance was announced and. It made me wonder, had had you been, you'd obviously been talking to these guys before they actually legally had the name back? No, no so what what happened, I mean, you know, Rad has played with the, with this lineup, and including Bobby before at the festival. Right. Um, I think we had the first show with Juan back in the band, and so they've always been a friend of the festival. Um, they happen to have great management, there's a guy named Rob Hoffman, um, who was very helpful in getting this done. And it was one of those things that like, hey, listen, we're down to the wire. What's going on? I mean, we had the conversations. We didn't know what we were going to call it, though. Right. Okay. So we knew just having Stephen, Warren, and Juan would be would be great for the festival. I mean, they're playing the music of Rad, and we were kind of figuring out what do we call them during the process. And uh, it kind of happened right like at the 11th hour. So, you know, and that's kind of where we based our announcement on Very what cool. was going on with them. Cool. Yeah. Well, definitely looking forward to seeing their set. That's on. Uh, that's on Saturday. Uh, some of the other other stuff I wanted to talk about: um, loudness and yeah, yeah. Has loudness done the festival before? Loudness done the festival twice. Twice. Um, okay. You know, and the first time they did it, people were just going nuts. And I didn't know what to take of it when we booked Loudness. And I was like, I just, I always liked the band. I knew they had a following. They added something edgy and cool, but everybody loved it. And so, you know, we do some research um, after the festival and Loudness came back that year as one of the top rated bands uh, that people want to see return. So we had them back another year. And I guess, you know, I don't know the full story because it gets lost in translation, but I guess you know, they had to cancel the rest of the tour due to not getting certain grants from the government, but they came and we had the only show that year. So, wow. it, you know, they've always been troopers with us and they've always like made sure that it's, you know, it's happened and they give it everything. They're, they're a great band. Absolutely. Cool. And bang tango Vane, Cinderella's Tom Kiefer will be there. Of course, Warrant, Dokken, faster pussycat, yep. uh, lover boy. So many great bands will be on this bill. I wanted to ask you about the, uh, the VIP acoustic set by, by Lita Ford. Now, now do you need a special ticket for that? Is that something I'm going to be able to see with, with just my, my regular ticket? Well, Mark, you'll be able to see it, but yeah, you do need to buy (laughs) Yeah. You do need to buy a VIP ticket. And so one of the things it's like, you know, we try to do something for our VIPs that are just not a meet and greet. Um, and a bag of goodies. And so that's why, you know, Lita was nice enough to do this for us. Um, and we've done it in the past with, uh, we, you know, we had Michael Sweet last year and Jack Russell did it the year before. And it's gone over really well. But, you know, the VIPs get early entrance into the venue. They then, they then uh, they get to see this and they get their bag of goodies and they get to see like a 30-minute acoustic set. And then 
usually do the meet and greet for the VIPs right after. Um, cool. So it comes out to be kind of a special thing because the venue's empty. I mean, you know, there's less than a thousand people in the venue when Lita's playing. Wow. You know, or when any, any of these like VIP performances are happening. So it's, it's a pretty cool thing. And you, you don't have to take your seat. Everybody just comes down to the bottom and hangs out and, right. you know, as close to the stage as they can. And it's, it's very cool because a lot of people buy their tickets together. You nice. know, if you read like the forums, people are wondering where other people's seats are and what are they buying and what kind of seats are they buying. So it's really the first time that they see each other unless they, you know, see each other and you know what the hotel's like the night before. Right. So. If they don't see each other at the hotel, it's pretty cool because it's the first time people that haven't seen each other in a year get to like kind of hang out. Nice, cool. Uh, a few bands that I didn't mention. These are mostly Friday night bands. I think Kicks, Winger, uh, Faster Pussycat, Dangerous Toys. Just a, a really solid lineup this this year, as as it usually is. But let's talk about the the Sunday lineup, which is this. This is a little different for you guys, right? Yeah, you know, this is something that was the brainchild of Brad Canfield and uh, the guys at IMP. Um, we're using the M3 Southern Rock logo on this, but it's really it's a different show. Tickets are sold separately okay. for this. Right. Um, but it's an incredible show. I mean, Skinner and Charlie Daniels and Outlaws. And, you know, ironically, I grew up like a huge Molly Hatchet fan. Right. You know, not growing up far from where you are, there wasn't a lot of Molly Hatchet fans in the 80s in Jersey. And, yeah. You know, the first time I've ever seen them will be this. The first time I'll ever see them is this weekend. So, cool. cool. Yeah, and if you haven't heard of Blackstone Cherry, they're an incredible band that you should check out. They crush it. Cool. Yeah, definitely so, looking forward to that. Yeah. Where's Where's the best place to buy tickets for this? You know, you can either if you're in if you're locally, the best place is to go to the Meriwether Box Office. But if not, Ticketfly. Um, and so, it uh, they sell all tickets for Ticketfly.com. We will be going on sale. Um, shortly with one day tickets. Okay. So if you can't make it to a Saturday, you or a Friday night, you'll be able to purchase a one day ticket shortly. And uh, yeah, that's it. Cool. Yeah, we'll have ticket, tickets. Ticketfly dot com <laughs> link through today's show notes on talkingmetal dot com, and also the M three rockfest dot com uh, will be linked link through Talking Metal. So this is the ninth year. Where did the idea for this? first come about or do you do other concerts or is this, is this your only thing what's the history well, you know it you know i um i was helping out on a show i come from the record label world okay um and a friend of mine a guy named andrew dreskin who actually is one of the founders of ticket fly um was producing a show called v fest which he brought over from europe and seth Hurwitz and brad were the producers on it and the promoters on it um and i was working on it with andrew and I just kind of came up with it and I asked Brad and Seth their thoughts. And they said, put together some artists in a model and let us see and see if this thing works. Um, and they said, you know, we'll give you a go. We'll give you a shot at it. And they've been great partners. I mean, completely supportive and Meriwether is a real special place. Um, and, and it comes down to like everything from like, after we did the first year, we saw how special this was. Um, and, and just, coming together of great people. And that's kind of the weird Sorry, Kind of was just like, what do we do? Let's do something different. And I've always been a fan of this music and, you know, and, and that's where, you know, it was, it was kind of an easy concept because everything at that time was really niche. And it was like Coachella was popping up and V-Fest was popping up. And there's another, a lot of these alternative cool rock festivals. And I always wondered why nothing happened. Eighties metal. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that was kind of it. And, they, and, 
they were real receptive to it. And so it's just kind of like, it just kind of like blossomed from there. Great. You know, it was really easy. And, and all the fans made it so much easier for us because we had a great partner in WIYY um, in Baltimore. And IYY was one of the stations that when I was in the label world, I worked and they always played metal. Even after the eighties, they still played eighties metal. They never abandoned the format. And so we went and asked them if they wanted to partner and they were all about it, which, you know, that was instrumental in making this successful. Right on. Cool. And now you've mentioned the, the pavilion where the festival takes place, Meriwether Post Pavilion. And this is what, what would you say, like a half hour outside of Baltimore? Does that sound right? Yeah, it's, it, it's in Columbia, Maryland. It's probably about a half hour, 40 minutes. Sure. Right. You know, it's ironically, every time I go in for the festival, I never go to Baltimore. I go to the airport and I go straight to the venue and <laughs> you don't really get a lot of chances, you know, to see anything when you're, when you're down there working. Right on. Cool. Well, we are looking forward yeah. to the festival and uh, definitely going to take you up on the, the Lita Ford thing. I would love to love to check that out. And uh, we hope the talking metal listeners make it down to M3 this year. Again, the dates Friday, April 28th, that starts uh, things off at like three thirty in the afternoon it's pretty much all day Saturday and Sunday then too. Saturday yeah. or Sunday being the the country rock uh, day with Leonard Skinner and Charlie Daniels, Outlaws, Blackstone, Cherry, Molly Hatchet, Blackfoot, Great Train, Robbery, and One Night Stand. Cool, Eric. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you.
That was Scared by Dangerous Toys. Always loved that song. Again, another band I've never seen in concert, Dangerous Toys. So excited to see them at the M3 Festival this year. Loudness, Rat, Dangerous Toys. Who else? Who else are we looking at? at We've got Winger. We've got, um, gosh, Warrant, Great White, Vixen, Loudness, Danger, Danger. I've never seen Vixen. I know. I've never seen Vixen either. You know who I've never seen who I'm excited to see is Bang Tango. Okay. I loved Bang Tango. Awesome. Like I was a huge fan of theirs back in the day. I mean, I only had like one of their albums, but like I listened to it a lot. So I'm pumped to see them. Junkyard's going to be there. All right. So we're going to get into my interview with Brad Gillis. And it was a it was a tight 20 minutes. The publicist came on at the end. I'm not sure if I'll leave this in or out, but basically shut us down. <laughs> I kept going. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. Yeah, yeah. And this, by the way, Emily, you are looking at the... Speak of the Devil record. I bought this that with is my jelly. Did he ever talk about what that was in yeah, his that's, mouth? Yeah, that's jelly. So what kind of jelly was it? Grape or strawberry? I think it's strawberry, possibly raspberry. <laughs> but let's talk about this. This record I've had in my life since I was 13 years old. I got this when I was, it was 13. Like 10 years ago. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and this this record now. This is just me riffing here, so. You know what that means. If if you if if there's anything questionable, Google it. I might be talking out of my ass here, but the 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 shot of Ozzy here on the cover, wig. He's wearing a wig. Now I remembered. It does hearing not look this. like a wig, but we've talked. Yeah, we I remembered about- hearing this somewhere, and it makes total sense because he had shaved his head, and I believe that happened after Randy died. He had shaved yes, his head. Yes, it did. And um, he, when they played, the, this, this record was recorded at the Ritz in New York City, which was down on 14th Street. And um, it then became, I believe, the Palladium. And his hair was shaved at the Ritz show. Right. However, right. these pictures... But the pictures on no. the record, that he is has not a very wig. long hair on, on, the, on the cover. That is a wig. That is a wig. I'm I'm ninety percent sure that's a wig. It does not look like. And then a wig then you f- do you do the flip open, and this little person I would call it a midget in the eighties, but this little person they they called him Ronnie, because Ozzy didn't really like Ronnie Dio taking his place in Sabbath. So the midget that they killed on stage every day was named type, Ronnie. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't his real name. And this guy was actually in the Blade Runner movie. This this little person here did you know that that's amazing and that's kind of strange because that's one of your favorite movies yeah so according to rudy sarzo's book um another another observation you turn the record over we're looking at the vinyl this picture there's a picture of the band on stage with ozzy with his hands in the air that picture was not from the ritz show that's from a different show a few months later because at the ritz show ozzy was a skinhead yeah, oh yeah, he was yeah. totally shaved. Yeah. His head so, was shaved. So that picture, not from the Rich show. And there are a lot of those pictures out there of him with the shaved head. I mean, right. I haven't seen... You have to kind of look for those pictures because... Yeah, no, there, there aren't. But I do remember that that was uh, in the paper in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I lived at the time yeah. when he shaved his head. I mean, Ozzy was, was in the tabloids a lot back in that time because of the bat incident and then Randy dying and then he shaved his yeah. head. Yeah, was this like a Britney Spears kind of freak out? Yeah, he out? got arrested. Yeah, um, 
that that is what that is I believe at the time they said he had damaged his hair with hair dye or something and he had to shave his head but no I think he freaked out and shaved, he shaved his head. his head yeah and before we get we're going to get into this interview with Brad right now but I did want to say a little kind of heartfelt thought about Speak of the Devil the record now I had been I went back and rediscovered Sabbath after I had been into Ozzy solo because that Sabbath stuff happened when I was like under the age of 10 years old. So, and I wasn't really aware of what they were up to at that point. Um, So this album, Speak of the Devil, was the first time truly that I was exposed to so many of these great Sabbath songs. And I will say that, that a lot of them are done in a similar style to how Sabbath perform them but with brad's playing they had a little less of a slushy sound um sludgy 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 sludgy. i don't know what slushy sounds sounds delicious right now but no sludgy they had a little less of a sludgy sound and and at that time and and people might think nowadays, oh well, you know the Sabbath, Tony Iommi's, you know classic sludge sound on especially those first three Sabbath records where it was really sludgy, and and uh, you, you know that that you don't want to change that. But I, I, this sound that Gillis had on those songs like Snowblind and Black Sabbath, Fairies Wear Boots, you know The Wizard, N.I.B. It wasn't quite as sludgy, and that made it, I think, cooler at the time. And and Gillis looked right. cooler because, in a way, I mean, they didn't reinvent the wheel with the Sabbath songs on this record, but in a way, at that time, they had a little bit more of a contemporary sound to it than the original Sabbath right. songs. And the guys in Sabbath were angry when he put this out, uh, all Sabbath material on this record. But in 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 my way of thinking it turned people like me onto sabbath and onto those old songs and and gave new life to the to a lot of these old songs with brad's amazing guitar sound and style that he he brought to it um it's really interesting because you are you are one of those people that really got into sabbath when dio was I yeah, mean, yeah. The first Sabbath albums you got into weren't they Dio? Mob the Mob, Mob the Mob Rules. Rules was the first Sabbath I got into, and I went backwards. And then you from went there. backwards, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And and you're not the only one. It was there about the same time this came out, and and exactly. uh, I was in junior high at that time. So definitely uh, great stuff. And Max Norman produced this, engineered this. The same guy who did Diary of a Madman and Blizzard of Oz. And again, Brad Gillis, really delivered on this record so without further ado let's talk to brad gillis we're going to hear a little ozzy osbourne with brad gillis later but let's before we hit the brad gillis interview get into this great new night ranger night ranger a band that brad gillis has always been involved with this is somehow some way brand new night ranger comes out this friday guys and the album is called don't let up so here we go somehow some way by Night Ranger on Talking Metal, followed by my interview with Brad Gillis.
Hey, this is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the line from Night Ranger, Brad Gillis. Hey, Brad, how are you? I'm doing fine, man. You know, I'm getting excited about another year of touring and a new CD, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, I've heard the new CD. It sounds wonderful, great stuff. It's called Don't Let Up, out March 24th, right around the corner. Really looking forward to getting uh, getting the new Night Ranger CD. Let's Let's talk a little bit about it. There's sure. a new there's a new guitar player in the fold. At least he's kind of new. He did some touring with you in the past, but uh, he's now officially in the band. And I'm guessing he plays on this record with you, right? Oh, he's all over the record with me. Of course, you know we kind of split everything up evenly in the record, and we get together and do the harmonies together. And you know when when you know, Joel Hoekstra left a couple of years back to go with White Snake, uh, you know Carrie came in and just man just took right over and and ponied up and knew what he was doing and, and it was like we didn't miss a heartbeat, you know? So, and you know, the great thing about Carrie along with, you know, Joel Holster too, it's like they're both great guys and good to hang with. And, you know, when you're touring a lot and spending good time on doing a little bus tour here and there, that you got to make sure you get something that not only plays great, looks great, but you know, it's a good hang. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Carrie's a great hang. Always positive, always smiling, great guitar player. Actually went in and, I go, Carrie, you got to learn that eight finger technique on, on Still Rockin' America. So we had a couple week break, this is like a year or so ago after he'd been in the band for a little while. And he came back and said, Yeah, man, I learned the eight finger thing. I go, dude, really? Wow. And he played it for me. And I was like, Wow, thanks, dude. He goes, Yeah, it took a while to learn. But, you know, now I've been doing it for over a year and, and uh, pulling it off because, you know, you want to, you want whoever replaces, you know, an original guitar player to play those classic solos like they were written because people want to hear it. It's that melody that made the song. You don't want somebody noodling around or changing things up. You know, I remember going back and, you know, seeing, I think it was a uh, Robin Schrauer play. And I was so into Robin Schrauer when I was growing up and watching right. him live. And he changed some of his own solos around a little bit. Cause I knew everything note for note. Cause I was an aspiring guitar player. And I, you know, play that stuff all the time and learn it. And, it's like, no, no, play, play the classic solo. And then you come back to the end where it would be the classic part. But uh, right. yeah, man, Terry's working out great and this machine's still rolling. Cool. And let's talk a little bit about the, the production on the record. It sounds wonderful. Did you work with a certain producer? Or is this self-produced? Uh, what, what went on in the studio? Well, you know, we always pretty much uh, produce it our, ourselves. We always, you know, want to have uh, uh, our own say and the, the final mix and everything, but we used Anthony Fox for the last couple of records, and Anthony's a great guy and a good listener and pretty much gets everything together, gets a rough mix on it, and, you know, sends it out, and we all put in our two cents and raising this low and that, you know. And, uh, you know, it took us a lot longer doing this record than normal, only because uh, uh, we had a lot of touring last year, and we started the record and then had to go out, and then Jack had a problem with his vocals for, for about a month, month and a half, uh, he got some uh, pretty yeah, problem with his uh, vocal cords, and so he couldn't he couldn't sing the finisher. And then we, all he had to do was sing a couple lines to finish the record, and, and, and he couldn't do it. So we had to put it off for a couple more months, which put our release date off. But it's all good now because you know it's coming out in ten days, and we got a great tour coming up, and and uh, you know going to Japan, and and got shows with Boston, uh, oh, cool. Vegas coming up, and, you know, and hometown gig with Steve Miller. Your friends and enough. So, yeah, it's going to be great, man. We're, we're looking forward to, uh, you know, just going out there and doing it again. Awesome, cool. And I was reading the deluxe version of the the new CD again, which is called "Don't Let Up." 
uh, comes with a DVD. What what's on the DVD? Do you know? No, <laughs> you don't. Know, you don't know. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't have a copy yet, but I think the DVD is. Uh, you know, I think it's you know some live footage and and maybe some excerpts from the uh, thirty five years and 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 night in Chicago. Uh, I know we did some interviews they're going to put in there, but cool. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it's all about the CD. You get that CD and listen to it. I don't know that bonus stuff. I don't. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, I just want everybody to, uh, you know, you know, listen to this record and get feedback and see what songs have been sticking, so we can learn those and, and drop a few into the set. You know, right on. Are you still a CD guy? Do you still get the CD for for? releases and and albums that you like or do you go to like spotify and stream this stuff no i download i get i get the apple tunes thing i was down but i can't remember the last time a cd but um you know i gotta i'm able to play everything and you know just you know straight stream right in my range rover so uh yeah man i can't remember the last time i i, I bought it i bought a cd but uh um you know, uh, there's, you know, a lot of the new music I'm not, not, not really into, so I don't even buy that many CDs, you know, or, or download that many CDs. So basically, I'm just, you know, on the Apple TVs, you know, I just go in and get all the classic, you know, albums that I love and grew up with and load them in my phone and my computer. And then, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the newer stuff and cooler stuff or something that, you know, gets me going, I'll, I'll download it. But, uh uh, you know, music's changed. It's kind of a drag for us because we're releasing this new record, and, and just you know, you got the, the alternative stations, you got the hip hop stations, and the pop stations, and then you got classic rock. You know, and right. classic rock is playing classic rock. You know, so uh, you know, I talked to a couple stations uh, with interviews. I've kind of done twenty five interviews in the past week for this new record, but a couple of these stations, the classic rock stations, actually were going to spin it and give it a shot. Ooh. You know, and of course. Uh, if they spend something new and people are calling in requesting it, then they add it to rotation. Actually, that works with anything, but it's just so hard getting an airplane these days. It's just it's the, the world and the way it is. But so we rely, we rely on the downloads and physical CD, you know, that people buy and uh, also uh, you know buy at our shows. And you know, it's kind of what it is. But uh, we get to help the advance for doing these records. It really doesn't cost us much because everybody has their own own studios that we're able to you know, do overdubs and get together and, 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 you know, write parts. And, you know, I had the luxury, you know, right towards the end of the record, you know, getting Carrie over my studio, my house here. And, and him and I sat down and wrote a lot of these harmony parts and would egg each other on when they come to our solos, you know, and it's kind of fun and kind of cool to have somebody to push you when you're doing a solo, you know, sure. and not having the, uh, not having the, uh, you know, the, the problem of, you know, a producer going, all right, dude, you gotta get the solo done in the next 20 minutes. Cause we, got Jack coming in doing the vocals and then we got Kelly coming in. It's like, you know, we had the luxury of time uh, at home to really hone in on getting stuff right. But, you know, I mean, as far as writing this record too, uh, we just, you know, had Kelly, Kelly, Jack and I, you know, while sure. to Kelly's house in Nashville, we started jamming on different songs and, and uh, just, you know, having fun and jamming riffs and ideas. I bring a riff and Jack would bring in melodies and he had riffs and Kelly go, well, check this out. And, and uh, so after two days of doing that, uh, I think we picked up you know six out of the ten songs we fiddled with and started laying them down at the basic class in Kelly's folks' studio in Nashville, and then we were able to take those files and go around and you know send them around everybody's house wherever they were recording up to to finish things off. But, you know, and then actually you know Carrie went up to Carrie Kelly went up to Jack's and and actually did a couple things up there with him, and then 
and Jack came to my house and Carrie came over and then, you know, we just kind of, you know, whatever works, you know, uh, uh, there's, there's no real formula in recording these days as long as you get a finished product, you know? Right on, right on. I wanted to delve into your, your past a little bit and first just ask you, you know, Night Uh-oh. Ranger has such a, a, a long, massive, impressive history. When you look back on your time with, with Night Ranger, what are, what are kind of the, the highlights of, of that career with Night Ranger? Well, uh, definitely, uh, one of the highlights was after I left Ozzy and recorded the Speak of the Devil, we had uh, Night Ranger's uh, Dom Patrol record in the can, too. So when Rudy Sarzo left to go with Quiet Riot, I quit to come back with Night Ranger. And uh, in October 1982, they released Speak of the Devil and Dom Patrol the same week. So that was kind of exciting for me to have two records out there. And uh, the magazine album network was the trade magazine for radio stations. They grab both of those for picks of the week at the bottom of the first page. So I was the first person to ever have two records out there with picks of the week. So that was cool. But I got to tell you, as far as Night Ranger, uh, I remember, you know, going out on our tour and then kicking butt and MTV came out and didn't don't tell me love me. It was all over MTV. They didn't have much content. So they were playing that sucker 24 times a day, you know, it seemed like it. And, uh, you know, then after touring, uh, uh, you know, about 200 shows and, uh, we got a right off the road and went into the studio and, and started, you know, Midnight Madness and finished that. And then, you know, released Still Rockin' America. And sure enough, MTV picks up on that and, and playing the crap out of that. And then the record company says, all right, it's time to release this ballad, Sister Christian. Boom. All oh, yeah. Like, all over Just the place, massive. all over radio, all over MTV. And, uh, you know, they, they came back to us saying, that, hey, man, I think it's time you guys start headlining. So I remember definitely pivotal, definitely pivotal point for this band was, you know, gearing up for a headline show, with, you know, designing a big stage and having a couple trucks full of equipment and, wow. and you know, a couple buses, you know, for the band. You know, usually all band and crew would all pile into one bus, so we had the luxury of getting two buses, crew bus and a band bus, which made things a lot easier. And pulling into Lacrosse, Wisconsin, for our first headline show, and up in the marquee. In the Coliseum, you know, it said tonight Night Rangers sold out like wow. 8,000 people. So That's awesome. we were flying high off that. I was like, wow, our first sold out headline show as Night Rangers. So that was a pivotal point. And, you know, and, you know, it was some fun times and, you know, Cal, the, uh, uh, the, uh, excuse me, the Texas Jam that we did it with a bunch of big bands, 80,000 people. That was cool. Uh, you know, uh, playing uh, American Bandstand with Dick Clark. <laughs> right. And stuff yeah. like that. Uh, nice. Yeah, we've kind of done a lot, and you know what's the cool thing about it is uh, we're still doing it, man. You know, yeah, crazy. absolutely. Yeah, and congratulations on that. That's awesome. Hey, you mentioned your time with 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 Ozzy, and I, I want to talk to you a little bit about that if we have time. But first, I wanted to talk to you about actually Dio. You you did the Hearinade project with with Ronnie James Dio. Any any memories you can share yep. of of that experience? Well, I got to tell you, walking into that, you know, that studio and seeing, you know, the Ingves and George Lynch's and Neil Sean's and every guitar player you can imagine, you know, hanging out, you know, to be part of this uh, hearing aid project, recording this song called Stars. It was just, just huge. It was cool. Everybody just had a blast. And, you know, everybody, uh, yeah, I think out of the, I think there's 12 to 14 guitar players that all 
put a solo on 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 this on the record, you know, and uh, right. you know all these great players and all these features and stuff. I thought, man, I got to be different. I got to I got to throw my wang bar in there. I got to yeah. like I want I need to stand out somehow. I mean, how do you how do you, you know, stand out? Like, you know, how do you follow something like Inve? It's like okay, what am I going to do now? So I just you know incorporated a bunch of wang bar harmonic stuff and kind of threw that in there and and it's kind of cool because I still get kids with vinyl uh, of that hearing aid record, you know, bringing it to me to sign it, you know, wow. and saying, no, I can totally tell it's you on the solo, man, you did your own thing. You know, I just, you know, from an early age, uh, you know, when I first got my first Floyd Rose whammy bar, I, I just wanted to be different, you know? Yeah. Eddie was doing the die, harmonic dive bomb, so I decided just to bring it up, bring a harmonic up from, from nowhere and, and wiggle the hell out of it and I was fiddling around and bumped my guitar one day and it made this sound. I went, what the hell was that? I figured out I was shaking the, the tremolo bar. So I started flicking the end of the tremolo bar to get that little flutter sound. So I incorporated that in my, you know, right before the, my ending notes of the Don't Tell Me Love Me solo. Right, um, right. Yeah, so, you know, it's just, you just try to be different. You try to stand out. And, and the luxury about my arranger, the cool thing is, uh, you know, Jack and Kelly are such great songwriters with melodies and stuff that, you know, they're still churning around all these, churning out all these uh, these great melodies and hits and lyrics, and, and uh, you know, so uh, you know, it's like Carrie and I got to pony up to do great harmonies and solos. So we put that all together, and Eric Levy doing the icing on the cake with his keyboard. Right. And all of a sudden, you got a, you know, another cool, uh, cool Night Ranger record. Absolutely. Again, Don't Let Let Up is the new Night Ranger record. We're going to have links up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com where you can go buy it and download it on Amazon. Um, you know, your, your time, your time with Ozzy, you definitely stepped into that band at, at a rather dark time, I would imagine. And when you, when you look back on, on that time, what, what feelings do you have about your time in that band? Was it, was it an enjoyable experience while you were there? Well, I got to tell you, it uh, I grew 100% just being in that camp and touring and playing these sold-out shows every night all over the world. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, like like you said, it was, it was quite of a uh, scary little situation for everybody. Everybody was like, you know, just freaked out and, you know, how are we going to keep this machine going? And, and you know, when I got out there and, and, and met everybody and there's all these guys who are around my age, long hairs, you know, and I went to the road manager, Larry McNeely, and I said, uh, you know, how many, how many of these guys are auditioning? He goes, Oh no, dude, these are all like, you know, reporters and radio station people and media people. He goes, it's just you, man. You know? Wow. And I thought, oh, okay, oh, no, no pressure there. You know? <laughs> well, uh, uh, you know, so I, uh, basically, uh, you know, remember, you know, playing my first show and, and I never even played with the band before. I sat in my hotel room with a live cassette that Randy did uh, a couple, uh, about a month before, which was a board cassette. And I would, you know, sit in my room all day with a little amp and my guitar and that cassette and just try to learn all the rest of those songs. And at night I'd go down to the gig and stand on the soundboard to a big, huge castle and a sold out crowd. And, you know, just how loud and, and powerful it was. And I was, believe me, I was you know, scared as shitless. You know, right. I thought, geez, I'm going to be up there now. You know, I bet I can, you know, pony up here. So. You know, after four days, I felt pretty comfortable, and, and on that fifth day, I did my first show. But, you know, uh, I only did, you know, seven out of the 18 songs of Soundcheck, and Ozzy wasn't even there. So here I go, you know, thrown, thrown into the fire for the first night, and I was like, wow, you know, and I 
ended up screwing up on one song, you know, the, the, the ballad called Revelation Mother Earth. I kind of went into the fast right. section too early and screwed it up. And Ozzy looked over me and leaned with that, with that look. Right. Like, oh, geez. So I kind of stopped and got my bearings back and finished the song out. And, you know, at the end of the show, everyone's going, Brad, you're great, man. You did great. And then and I said, no, no, I screwed up. Oh, don't worry about it, man. You're doing fine. You know, you'll, you'll settle in. So the next night, the next show, Sharon comes up to me right before they go on. She goes, she's bad. You're doing fine, but tonight, don't screw up. So I thought, <laughs> okay. You know, so I kind of, you know, little by little, got it, got it all together. And two weeks into the tour, we did that live nationwide broadcast, King Biscuit Flower Hour. And uh, I remember that was, uh, that came across real well. And, and all of a sudden, after that, things started turning around and I started getting a little respect from the fans and started getting some love. So I settled in pretty good. And, you know, gosh, you know, all over the world twice. I mean, we were everywhere in those those nine months. And right. Went over to Maui for Ozzy and Sharon's wedding. And that was a funny story, too, because Ozzy, you know, we're all getting kind of drunk and having a fun time. And there was this uh, Hawaiian band playing with a small little cocktail kit and a stand-up bass and acoustic guitar and a little PA system. And Ozzy goes, come on, let's get up and jam. <laughs> but they didn't have videos back then. If they would have, right. I would love to see it. But, you know, us playing Paranoid you know, acoustically, you know, wow. was uh, something uh, I'd love to see in this day and age. But, Absolutely. Uh, you know, then later on, you know, Rudy ended up, you know, quitting to go with Quiet Riot as they got a record deal, and then I ended up getting a record deal with Nine Ration, and I quit, and, and I did a seamless, seamless transition from Ozzy to Night Ranger back out on the road, you know? Right. So, uh, I had a very illustrious career, and, and uh, you know, thank my lucky stars, and one one last question about the Ozzy stuff. You know, the Speak of the Devil record, you know, many, many years later, they put out a, a, a DVD, which was a different uh, concert. But the the album that I bought as a kid, the Speak of the Devil record, was all Sabbath songs. Now, up until that point on the tour, you weren't doing all Sabbath songs. You were doing Ozzy songs mixed with just well, we were, a handful yeah, we were only doing a, of Sabbath Yeah, songs. we were only doing, doing a couple songs, so... What we did is we went into SIR uh, rehearsal studios in New York City, and uh, the band sat around there for, I think, it was five days, you know, kind of at our leisure. We had a week off, whatever, and, and learned all the, uh, the the Black Sabbath material. And, you know, Ozzy'd come down and sing along, and, and uh, uh, so when we felt comfortable, we went straight from there into the Ritz to record both nights uh, for the Speak of the Devil record. Right. Cool. Well, Brad, thanks so much for joining us. And again, the new Night Ranger sounds great. We're totally psyched for it. We hope to see you in the New Jersey, New York area soon. And the album is Don't Let Up. And it's out March 24th on Frontiers, right? Yes, sir. Okay, cool. Thanks so much, Brad. It's an honor talking to you. Take care. Hey, thanks, Mark. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. Bye. Take care.
heard right there was off the Speak of the Devil record from 1982. Brad Gillis, Ozzy Osbourne, Tommy Aldridge, Rudy Sarzo, and that song, Never Say Die. Now, Never Say Die was an interesting song because it was on that last, it was the title track on the last Black Sabbath record with Ozzy. And they were, with that song, I feel like they were kind of going in the the commercial direction that Ozzy wanted to go, like, and then went with his solo records. But that record never really caught on. It never caught on with FM radio. It never had a lot of airplay. But I, on the Speak of the Devil record, used to just lift the needle up and play that song over and over and over. And I love that version of that song. And it's sad that Speak of the Devil doesn't seem to be available on Spotify or iTunes. Uh, not sure why. I don't know if if now that Ozzy is on such good terms with Tony and, and, and Geezer, if he's pulled it because he knew that they, they didn't really like it. They didn't so like no one's ever asked him that or no one's ever talked about that? Why no. it's not available? Why? I wanted to ask Brad, but we were running out of time yeah. and he probably has no idea anyways. Yeah. But I mean, it's a, it's a big record, you know, it went gold. I yeah, mean, Rich if, Ward if said spot. from Fozzie yeah. was saying on Twitter to me that that mm-hmm. was the first Sabbath record he ever had. Or totally. not Sabbath, Ozzy record. Right, yeah. <laughs> basically yeah. Sabbath. but anyways um cool well it's been a great episode i'm i'm so excited for you that you are doing this sabbath tribute in new york city yeah it's gonna be good and i hope if if there's anybody out there who is looking for something to do in new york city this saturday night that they head down to arlene's grocery to to catch the two sets dio era sabbath and ozzy osbourne era sabbath at arlene's grocery it's called what is it called f-bomb yeah it's f-bomb Okay, cool. And we'll have the, there's a flyer you can send me. We'll put that in the show notes today on Talking Metal. And we're going to have all the links to where you can get the new Night Ranger. We're going to have the links to where you can uh, buy your tickets for M3. If you're going, let us know. We definitely want to hang out with you while we're down there. It's going to be a great hang in Maryland for the M3 Festival. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Talking Metal. I also have the at Striegel account on Twitter. Emily is at Emily Striegel on Twitter. And you're also now running the official Talking Metal Snapchat. I'm trying. (laughs) Yeah. Which we aren't getting enough updates from you on that. I know. Okay. All right. Get off my back. Yeah. it's, It's the word talking, the word metal, and then the number four and the letter U talking metal for you on snapchat and one of our very next episodes will be listeners uh voicemail listener voicemail i have a bunch of them saved already so if if any of you people want to get your voice on the next episode uh you have like a day or two left to get those calls in um don't worry jerry from long island i have at least two from you already so you can leave another one, but I probably am not going to play more than one or two from from each person. So, uh, yeah, but would love to get one or two more. If there's anybody out there who wants to ring me at 973-757-1917. It's 973-757-1917. All right, that'll do it. PayPal donation. If you want to do that, that's on the uh, that's on the site too. 
And you can leave comments on the site, which is a, a great way. Jerry, I know you've been leaving a lot of comments there. Uh, Jerry just left a comment on my last episode where I talked about Yannick Gers. Uh, and Jerry from Long Island says, I was never a fan of Yannick's dancing on stage during a Maiden gig. Always loved the Smith-Murray dual attack. Get rid of Yannick? Not much... Oh, question mark. And then he says, not much snow here, mm. Mark. Only three inches, not 24. Lots of freezing rain up the irons and up the ghosts yeah cool excellent yeah jerry's going to the fine you know they're ending the tour now in in brooklyn it's a full month i think after we see him in new jersey it might be worth heading out to that last oh i'll show. go to the that brooklyn show too yeah but we'll, we'll how often do we hear that yannick should stay how versus yannick should go yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. And it's like I said in the last episode, they really only play one song from an album that he was on. I mean, Fear of the Dark is really the only Yannick era song that they generally play. Is it just pure loyalty? And this I, I is think coming so. from someone so, who's, yeah. who who loves Iron Maiden, but I don't know nearly as much as you do. I think it's it's got to be. Yeah. I mean, it, it you know, it, it's Yannick is an interesting guy because A, he played in Gillen and those guys in Maiden, I mean, they're enormous Deep Purple fans. So I think, and that that record that he played on with Gillen is just, it's absolutely great. It, it's not a, like a old school 70s sounding Deep Purple vibe. I mean, he's playing like whatever year that came out, 81, 82, probably, I don't know when that came out. He's playing contemporary hard rock metal at that point. Yeah, Magic was the record. And yeah, just a great, great record. Bluesy Blue Sky is on that record. A song that Yannick wrote. I mean, it's amazing. So Maiden, I'm sure, have respect for that. They have they have respect for the fact that he's been with them, you know, yeah. through the 90s. And yeah. you got to remember, he played on Tattooed Millionaire, I too, know, which but- was Bruce Dickinson's solo record. So Bruce actually brought him into the band, even though a lot of that time he was in the band, it was, you know, Blaze was, was in. Exactly. So, but he did play on those two records, played on Bruce's solo record. Then he played on um, No Prayer for the Dying, the first record. Then he played on Fear, Fear of the Dark. So, But yeah, sound-wise, let's right, talk about, like, yeah. the... the People have said it's a sonic assault on the ears. People say it's offensive just to hear those three guitars on stage at once. It's just, right. it's too much. And it goes against, you know, what they stood for originally from, you know, a guitar standpoint anyway, with the dual sound. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's unnecessary. Um, having said that, you go to a Maiden show, you have a few beers, it's always going to be a good time. Uh, two guitars, three guitars, it it's probably doesn't matter that much in the live setting. However, you know, I, I just, I do think like, especially when you listen to some of the live records or the DVDs or whatever, that it's cleaner with, with the two guitars. Right. And, and, you know, I used to not like Yannick's dancing and stuff. And like <laughs> I, I mentioned in the last episode, I've gotten over that. I really don't, I don't mind that at all, <laughs> but, um, You've gotten over the yeah, but but you know, classic Maiden is is two guitars. It's it's two guitars. Right. Um, so, anyways, what song was I going to play? I still can't wait. I, I still gonna... can't wait for the show. Yeah, it was Ghost. Hello. 
Yeah, I totally forgot what song we were ending with. Um, if any, did we have a song picked out? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. All right. No song. That's it. Good night. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs>